Kevin Hinks will do some trading a little bit later on. Tuna, I know you were watching the numbers. I know you had your buy rating on Disney, the 73 million Disney Plus subscribers. What was your initial reaction when you saw the numbers in this report? So, Nicole, I think those numbers actually blew it out of the park. Um, you know, I think there's really no better way to put that. Um, the, uh, the thesis on Disney now is kind of gravitating more and more towards uh, direct-to-consumer. Uh, that's actually the main reason we, we like the stock. That's why the stock is trading at such a huge premium now relative to, uh, to the broader market as well as to the peer group. Um, if you can get beyond the... Uh, um, the deleterious impact of COVID-19 on the theme parks and the film businesses. Um, we think Disney has just come off a rough financial year in the last fiscal year. Um, so coming off of the rough earnings this fiscal year, I think if we can get through the um, this quarter where there's still limited visibility due to the COVID-19 surge, um, as they continue to roll out the international um, offerings direct to consumer, um, the uh, Disney Plus, the star branded offering, all of those things are going to converge, we think, as you kind of look at 120 million uh, aggregate subscribers now. Uh, we think that number could double, frankly, in the next two to three years, uh, which will really give Netflix a run for its money. So while we think the visibility uh, remains limited in some of the legacy businesses, uh, investors are more and more pivoting now toward the direct to consumer acceleration. Uh, which I think gets better from here. How come you raised, and for all those reasons, that I shouldn't say how come you raised a 20 bucks for your 12-month price target, those are the reasons, right? I mean, now you're up to 160 from 140. As I said, you have the buy rating, you continue this. Um, I know you like the direct-to-consumer that they're seeing, the streaming subscriptions, Disney+. Plus. Your thoughts on what we're seeing with ESPN and Hulu, COVID definitely helped streamers because streaming companies because people were all streaming. Can that continue too? Right. So I think uh, the, the issue now is a bifurcation in uh, the impact of COVID-19 uh, in acceleration of the declines in some of the uh, traditional uh, multi-channel businesses, ESPN included, uh, versus the tailwinds that the same COVID-19 is actually helping um, on the streaming side. Uh, including ESPN Plus and Hulu. Uh, so what we're seeing now is kind of a very interesting dynamic where Disney is more and more trying to make up uh, the uh, pressures in the uh, in the television ecosystem on the traditional side uh, from the gains that we're seeing on the streaming. Now, uh, streaming is going to remain um, a, uh, in the startup investment mode for some time because of the heavy content investments, the international rollout. Uh, but we think that the inflection point for profitability in the streaming business isn't really, um, you know, as far as some might might think. Uh, so Hulu is actually doing better than expected in our view, uh, as well as uh, ESPN Plus. So they're doing some of the heavy lifting, we think, as the company continues to right. invest more and more in the Disney Plus offering. That's why we think uh, okay. that the uh, this is going to... Uh, gradually change as investors get more and more clarity in terms of the potential, um, you know, break even for the streaming business. 
You know, I think that, um, and, and to your point, they're all doing well, right? There was such a time where ESPN was sort of the laggard and the quiet loser on the side, you know, but it's doing better for right now. It's evident. It's everything's virus related, right? So the parks are contingent upon people not having the virus, having the vaccine, better at the parks. The movie theaters for Disney, um, same concept. Cruises for Disney and streaming. Is there too many things under the Disney umbrella? Should they be maybe breaking it down into parts, even considering spinning off or selling some assets? Or is the ecosystem of Disney just right? You know, uh, it's an interesting question. I know that's been uh, the subject of some of the activist, um, you know, involvement that we've seen. Um, you know, the, the way we see it is uh, right now, I think there is a, a synergistic effect um, in terms of the multi-platform uh, exploitation of all of the franchises. So I don't think at this moment in time, uh, it would be a, a time to kind of break it up, frankly. Um, the argument that the uh, the idea that the uh, content investments can be accelerated while um, you know you can break off the company uh, or even conserve liquidity. Those are all uh, you know valid arguments. But I would remind investors that you can walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, Disney is by far um, you know the, the best position in terms of the balance sheet uh, to navigate this uh, uh, pandemic. All of those businesses that you mentioned, Nicole, the theme parks, the film, the cruise ships, uh, we think they're precisely those businesses that make Disney one of the best positions to benefit uh, from the other side of this pandemic. Um, you know, as we talk about improved prospects for uh, vaccine development, um, you know, those businesses will really uh, be, um, you know, the gravy uh, when yeah. you look out, uh, you know, the next six to nine months. And that's why we think that even as the thesis continues to hinge on direct-to-consumer, the legacy businesses, um, much as they're weighed down by COVID-19, um, we think there's a huge pen of demand, uh, whether it's for cruises or right, movie theaters, right. uh, et cetera. So that's uh, really why we continue to um, think that the, uh, the, the, the company is well-positioned.